peace in the valley. There can be peace here for you today. It's to be had. You're living in a day of grace. And uh, if you're here today and you're lost, you can you can be at peace by the time we close the service and we go back home to our houses. And that's my heart's desire, is that if there's anybody here today that's lost, and by your lack of testimony, we believe that there are, uh, maybe some here that are saved and just walking afar off. You can go at home in peace today. There's something else on your heart. I ask you to turn to a very familiar scripture in Luke chapter number 15. Um, don't know for what reason, but uh, the prodigal son's been on her heart this week, and and uh, so we'll try our best. It's a story that. Um, probably most all of us have heard probably many times, um, but, uh, but nevertheless, this is the direction the Lord led us in this week. Luke chapter number 15, I do desire your prayers. Like most of you have been battling allergies and sinus and got a lot of pressure built up behind one of my eyes this morning. Um, and I do desire your prayers. Luke chapter number 15, starting with verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. <clears throat> I uh, was thinking about Wednesday night and, uh, and what was said Wednesday night and about what was said in Sunday school just a few moments ago. And... and uh, they sort of lined up in the fact that, um, that, that we have begun to lose our desire 
of, uh, of the things that be of God. And, and I, I was up about 2 o'clock this morning, couldn't sleep, and, and I watched this um, video online, and it was talking about a man that was um, a world champion, a world chess champion, and he was touring uh, the Louvre, that museum in Paris, the art museum, and, uh, and he came across this, this uh, one painting. He was part of this group of world champions of different things, and you might have saw this, but... But he came across this painting, and in this painting it was uh, called Checkmate. And in this Checkmate painting it was the devil on one side of a chessboard smiling, and a man with his head in his hands on the other side, and the devil had him in Checkmate. And, uh, and the group walked away, and, and they got a few minutes down in the tour, and the tour guide noticed that the world champion chess player wasn't part of the group, so we went back to find him. And when he found him, he was still staring at that at that painting. And uh, and and he said, "Sir, is there something wrong?" And he said, "Well, you know, I'm a world champion chess player." He said, "I've been studying this picture for a while." And, uh, and he said, "I've been studying this. This doesn't really have anything to do with the lesson, but I wanted to share it with you." He said, "I've been studying this painting for a while now." And they're either going to have to change the painting, or they're going to have to, uh, or they're going to have to change the title. And the guy that worked there said, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "I've been studying this board." And he said, "I've been studying the devil smiling." And sometimes life is like that. You feel uh, like he's got you in a corner somewhere, and there's simply no way out. Like he's got you in checkmate. Uh, but he said, I've been studying this chessboard for a while now, and, uh, and I have saw that the king has a move yet to make. And I thought about that, my heart began to leap, and, and I thought about this revival coming up, and I want to say to you at Lafayette today, the king has still got one more move that he wants to make. Uh, that the king has still got one more move in your finances or one more move in your marriage or one more move when things seem to be, uh, seem to be uh, uh, going astray and going awry and the devil seemingly has you in checkmate. I, I would ask you to look at the board one more time uh, because I truly believe uh, uh, the great Father above has one more move. I realize we're living in the midst of a perverse generation. I realize today that uh, that uh, that that what we're teaching, uh, uh, even going on in in Florida now about this bill that's before. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, your uh, uh, your school board has absolutely no right to talk to your kindergartner uh, about sex and about gender equality and all of that. Uh, but they have uh, they've overreached, I realize that, uh, that, that we're facing things in this generation that, that it seems like we're in checkmate as the church of the living God. But, but I want to stir you up today that the King is not finished yet. Uh, that the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords, there still moves on this board of life. And I firmly believe in this revival that we've got coming up that that he wants to move in this church. And I was listening to somebody pray a while ago and they said we're just bound up and, and that's the way that I've felt for quite some time here in this place that, that we're just bound up and, and what's going to unbind us today? It's going to 
going to take a lot of praying, I'll be honest with you. It didn't happen overnight, and we won't get out of it that quick. But I guarantee you today, if we take inventory of our life and really begin to desire the fire of God to fall, I mean, put things of this world in the back burner, that's what the prodigal son, he couldn't do that for a while. I read in your hearing there that he said unto his father, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want you to appoint unto me my uh, what's coming to me. Didn't even want to wait for his father to die. Uh, but he said he did. He divided unto them all of his living, all of his life uh, that he had worked so hard for. How it must have broke his heart. I'll say tonight, today, uh, there are sometimes things that God will allow you to go through uh, that even breaks his own heart uh, because he knows uh, for you to understand how much you need the Father. It's going to take some hard times. It's going to take some times where you think you're in checkmate and you can't see a move on the board and then somehow the king has one more move and that one more move will be able to set things right. I mean, we as the church of the living God, uh, we have all power and all authority and all, all manner of spirit of the living God to tread on serpents uh, to kick Satan out of this place uh, to kick that hindering spirit that's been hindering. I was listening to a message the other day and I've told you about this before but it was about a sheep herder and he said they, the sheep would get out and he said they would get out and he said the shepherd I'd have to go and find them. Uh, but he said what, uh, what was amazing about it is that mama sheep that little ewe lamb uh, saw her baby cross the fence and she couldn't get to it. Now she couldn't and wouldn't leave the fold. She knew that's the place where he was safe. But what she had begun to do is begin to cry and begin to cry out for the shepherd. I'm telling you what we need today are some old-fashioned mamas and daddies that really begin to cry for their lost sheep. I mean, begin to call out to that great shepherd who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now we see the danger how that sheep had got on the other side of the fence. He was in thorns. He was in briars. He was away from safety, away from home, away from the family. And that ewe lamb, that little mama lamb, she wouldn't dare leave the church. I wouldn't dare leave the flock. But what she did is she cried and she beckoned and she pleaded with that shepherd and wouldn't give him a moment's peace. I'm telling you today, I miss the cries of mamas worrying about their lost children. Thank God. I can remember a time growing up that they didn't none of us have anything. All we had was one another. All we had was God. But my friend, when he got God, you got everything. And without Him, you've got nothing. But there were mamas and daddies that would begin to cry out. You could hear them on Sunday morning, tears rolling down their face. And they were earnest about it. They wouldn't play it around. They wouldn't play it around with God. They knew their little boy and their little girl. They knew they were out in sin. They knew they were out in the briars of this life. And the old shepherd said, sometimes I'd go and gather them 
And he said, it hurt me to see them hurt. And he said, I'd brush the thorns out and they'd pull their hair out. I'm telling you today, lost sinner, that you don't understand. It hurts us today to see you going that way of sin. It really does. It hurts us. And the old mother church, uh, we need to cry out to God. That's not preached on much anymore. I do believe the church is like a mother. I do believe it sees the little children. I do believe it sees them going astray. And But we've come to the time and place that we'll say, well, God will sort all that out. Well, maybe He will and maybe He won't. Uh, but I, I firmly believe uh, that He'll not do anything unless the mother church, unless that mother goes to swollen and a crying. Uh, my friend, they can't see the danger. But we ought to. We ought to see the danger. And this father, he knew the danger. He knew his boys. He knew what that younger son was all about. He'd watched him grow up. And he'd watched him. That older son stayed close by him. That younger son, he was troubled. And he was probably troubled from a young age. I don't know that. The story doesn't really get into that. But it does say that the father gave in to him. You know what? Sometimes you better be careful what you pray about. God just might give it to you. And so this, this man, he asked, and this father divided unto them all of his living. And it said not many days after that, that, that son, uh, he, he liquefied his assets. He took all the money and he went out into a far country. I got news for you today. You don't have to travel far to get into a far country. You don't have to go far away from God at all before you realize you are in a strange land. All it takes, and you that have been saved, you've been in danger too. You can get out into that far country just like somebody that's lost. My friend, you just stop coming to church Stop reading the Bible. Uh, somehow the things of the Spirit uh, don't hold any sway with you anymore. I'll say, my friend, uh, you're not ready for revival if you're out in a far country. Uh, God is saying to everybody, just come home. Just come home. And so this man went out into a far country and the Bible said he wasted all of his substance with riotous living. He probably thought among himself he would spend a little and save a little and invest a little. Uh, but my friends, you know how sin is. It is a slippery slope. And when he got out there, uh, my friend, he had his fill with the world. And the world was using him. I'll be honest with you. When the world is finished with you, it don't care about you. It'll chew you up and spit you out and cast you into hellfire and damnation. Uh, but what happened when this man, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. His money ran out. His way of life ran out. I got news for you. You might travel into that far country. You might stay there a great long while. You might stay there many years. Uh, but there will come a time uh, when all of the things that have brought you joy will be made bitterness to you. And uh, this world is full of trouble. And it is full of sin. And it is said that man came to himself. He, he was desiring to be fed with the husks that he was feeding the pigs. Joined himself 
just a servant. This was a man who had authority. This was a man who left his privilege for the life of me. If you've been born again today, I don't see for the life of me how a man or a woman that claims they've been born again and have a new nature would ever consider leaving the house of God and staying away from the church of God and going out to that far country. My friend, there's death out there. That's all that's out there. It's death and heartache. Uh, But inside, you see, you've left your place of privilege. You're a son. You've been saved by God's grace. You're a son and a daughter. But you've left that place of privilege. And you've got out into a far country. You've got out into a barren land. Have you come to yourself? I can remember the night I come to myself. As a matter of fact, it was when God sought me out. He was teaching parables in this chapter about the 99 sheep and about that one that went astray. We sing about it this morning in Sunday school. How that the Son of Man came to find that one that went astray. He came and found me one night. He came looking for me. And my friends, He found me in a far country away from everything good and holy and just. He found me. I was in the church of God. And do you know you can be in the church of God and still be in a far country here and here? It happens every Sunday. You come in. You take your place on the seat. But if you're honest with me and honest with God and honest with yourself, there are times you're here, but you're not really here. I mean to tell you, it would behoove us on behalf of our lost children to show up and be in the moment when we're here and start praising the Lamb of God. He found me in a far country and He called me out of that country. I came to myself. I realized I was lost without God. Maybe somebody here today never has darkened the church house. Maybe you've never thought about what it is to be lost. This man came to himself. I would to God today you'd come to yourself and see you, see yourself the way a holy God sees you. If you've never been saved, He sees you as a sinner and in need of a Savior. Now that's where He sees you at today. On your way to a devil's hell. On your way if you never repent and never by faith come into Jesus Christ. You know where you'll be? How you'll depart from this life one day and in hell you'll lift up your eyes in torment. I'm telling you, That's what that far country will get you. At the end of your life, I hope it was worth it. You never make a place, never make an altar, never make a place of repentance, and never have faith and come to Him, then I hope you lived your best life out in that far country. You hear people and preachers so-called today telling the church, just live your best life. i got news for you. There is more in a Christian walk than living your best life. As a matter of fact, it's he who seeks to save his life shall lose it. But if you lose it for the gospel's sake, you'll find it. We ought to be worried about living my best life. We ought to be worried about living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, this man came to himself, realized he was lost. Uh, you'll never get saved until you first realize that you're lost. And I'm glad the Spirit of the living God can let you know that 
Send conviction. I can remember when conviction came upon my soul one night. I thought I was squared away. Thought I'd been saved. Told people I'd been saved. And this was years ago. I guess I thought I had been. He let me know right quick. I was yet in that far country. I'd been brought up in church. I knew what it meant to be born again. I was still in a far country until I came to myself. Friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you're in a far country. You might not can see the danger, but the old mother church can. You're a little sheep that's gone astray. That's alright. The Bible said all we like sheep have gone astray. The, the, the greatest saint that's ever lived in this world was at one time a lost sheep that had went astray. But somewhere or another, the old mother church and the mother and the father of that little sheep begin to cry and begin to bleed. I begin to run around the field. Begin to run around where the fence is. Begin to alert the shepherd. Now my baby's lost. Would you go and seek him? I know he's been hard. I know he's been troubled. I know he's got into everything under the sun. But he's my son. He's she's my daughter. And begin to cry. I'm telling you today, if God, uh, if you know how to good gifts to your children, how much rather would God give the Spirit unto them that ask Him? This man came to himself, and he realized I'm in trouble, hey, friend. You're in trouble. You're here lost without God, without hope. You're in trouble. You're in danger. The only thing you have to do to go to hell, you don't have to do some horrendous thing. You just have to neglect the plan of salvation. That's all that you've got to do. And into hell you're going to go. Now, my friend, there are people in hell today as the fire licks up the side of that pit and there's nothing in their nose but burning and sulfur and ashes and they're weeping and they're wailing and they're gnashing their teeth and they're gnawing their tongues for pain and they've got a memory of every time they heard somebody try to get them off of that road and lead them out of that far country back into the land of the living with a perfect clear memory. So this man came to himself and he said the next thing he did, he said, I'll now go to my father. I want you to take note of that. He didn't wait. He didn't wait till the next day. And my friend, he came to himself. He said, how many servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. My friend, are you hungry yet? Mother Church, are you hungry yet? Have you watched your babies go off on that far country? Ain't they been there long enough? Ain't they been out of your sight long enough? Ain't it about time that you fall on your knees and begin to cry out to that shepherd, Oh God, seek them one more time that they'll be saved. I'm telling you, we're getting a lay on down in life. I mean to tell you, it's getting dangerous out there when you're appointing a person to the highest court in the land that won't even tell you what a woman is. I don't have any great confidence in her that she's going to side right on the religious freedom. I don't think she'll take my side when I can say I'm going to preach unto you that it's an abomination for this LGBTQ 
cute. I don't think she'd be on my side if she can't define what a woman is. I don't think she'd be on my side. I don't think she'd be on your side. I mean, we need to be crying out. Our nation is going to hell. And we ain't crying. We're not. I mean, we're not crying. We're not bleeding. We're not that mama sheep. Oh, how I wish we was that little ewe lamb. I can see the gate. I can see the fence. I catch eye every once in a while of that great shepherd of the sheep. And I begin to cry out. There's some of you. I've been waiting for three years. And you ain't never come to yourself yet. You ain't never come to the realization that if you never woke up in the morning, that you would die lost and go to hell. I can't press that home unto you. But my friend, I know one who can. That great shepherd, he let me know in certain terms that night that I was lost. I thought about it. He came to himself. He wanted to go back home. I thought about how he probably felt ashamed. When I was lost, I was ashamed. I was ashamed that I was a sinner. He probably dreaded it. He probably thought, I don't want to walk back. His clothes were all ragged. He was going home in a different way than he left. And my friend, he left in a king's outfit in marvelous attire. He came back home and no shoes on his feet. His feet were probably bleeding. I wearing an old tattered robe and nothing to cover his head and no water in his satchel and no food in his bag. He probably dreaded. I dread that walk of shame. I dread walking down that old dusty road to the old home place. I dread seeing all my servants come out that knew me before. What do they think about me now? You might be here today and you might say, Preacher, I dread the old long walk to the altar and to the mourner's bench. I promise you today, dear friend, you set out on that journey and you won't soon care what those around you think. That man had a resolve. He came to himself. said, i got to go back home. I'll admit my mistake. I'll tell my father, Father, I sinned against heaven and against thee. He saw his need. He finally, for the first time in his life, saw himself as a sinner. Finally saw himself at the bottom of the barrel. Do you see yourself that way yet? Have you ever one time came to yourself into such a way that you see yourself as a sinner that's broken the commandments of God? If you see yourself as a sinner, you are lost and separated from God. And it's time you come home out of that far country. It's time you come to one that can help. It's time you swallow your pride. It's time you make that march down the aisle. Maybe it's a church member. We saw one come a while ago. Friend, there's nothing wrong. Matter of fact, there's a whole lot of things right about coming to this altar. You might say, preacher, I've been saved for a lot of years. You may be, and you may have been, but how long has it been since you failed Hot tears rolling down your face. And not for yourselves, but for those little lambs, those little sheep that's on the outside that are in the thorns, in the briars, in the troubles of life. How long's it been since you felt a tug for them? 
that father, that father never gave up. He never gave up on his son. Son dreaded that long walk home. He finally got to that place. The home place was inside. He could see it now. His journey had almost come to an end. Father, just make me as one of your hired servants. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He had that rehearsed in his mind. Knew exactly what he's going to say. Now, some of you have thought about it to that extent. Now, what you want to say? I got news for you. There are no magic words. There is no such thing as a quote sinner's prayer. It'll be different for everybody. But I guarantee you, if you see yourself as a sinner and just say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The thief on the cross was saved. He didn't know anything about theology. Didn't have any doctrine. But he saw the one hanging next to him and said, when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. And that's all it took for him to get saved. I'm telling you, that father, that father was looking for his boy. Mom and daddy, your kid's been lost a long time. I want to ask you something. Are you still looking for him to come home? Are you still waiting? Are you still looking? I believe that daddy set a place at the table every day for his lost son. I believe he... Looked every day. You say that son coming up that dusty road. He could see the old home place. I wondered where his father was. But the Bible said while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. I want you to understand while you're in that far country, your father... He sees where you're at. He knows your need. He sees you in a far country. You're not getting away with sin. That Jew left everything that he had, went to a pagan city, left the house of bread, left Jerusalem, went and lived among the pagans. You can live out in this world of sin and God will still see you where you're at. But that father, that father looked every day. And that son began his long march home and the Bible said that father saw him and he ran to him and he fell on his neck and he began to kiss him and the son didn't know what to think. I want you to understand how when the love of the father ever finally drives you to your knees, you'll find him better than you ever knew he could be. He saw him. He ran. The son started that speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But he was cut off right there. The father didn't let him get any further. Him hugging his neck. Him kissing his son with kisses. I mean kisses. He welcomed him home. That's how God deals with a lost sinner that comes to him by faith. He'll welcome you. He won't hold a grudge against you. He won't say, well now, it's about time. What took you so long? All he's concerned about is you coming out of that far country. You've been saved. You might be walking afar off from Him. He's bidding you right now to return home. Come back to the house of bread. Come back to the house of God. Come back to Bethel. Come back as Jacob did. Come back to the place where it started. 
Jacob had a vision in Bethel. He saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder. He stole his birthright from his brother, went on the run, fled from him, stayed in a pagan land, married two women or four women. But God came to Jacob and said, you've been down in that far country for too long. It's time for you to go back to Bethel where you had the vision, where you said the power of God is in this place. The power of God can be in Lafayette. I want you to know that. Why? Because the king still has a move land. Thank God, hallelujah. We're not in checkmate. We've got a dozen or so that are lost. Maybe more than that. Maybe you're a visitor here today. Maybe you've never heard preaching like this. I want you to know I'm not. I love you. It's because I love you. I want to preach to you Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The only way you're going to escape hell is to come to yourself and then come to the man that died for your sin. He's the only way. But the father kissed him. And he just fell on his face, fell on his neck, and began to kiss him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, just make. And before he could get make me as one of the hard servants, the father said, Go and bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And go and put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet, and go and kill the fatted calf. In other words, he'll give you a change of garments, thank God. Hallelujah. That garment of sin that you've been parading around in, that you've had on all these years. It's tattered. It's ugly. It's barren. It's just clad to you. It's filthy. Even the whitest that you can make it yourself, it's still filthy in His sight. He'll give you a change of garments. He'll give you a new nature. He'll give you a new spirit. He'll put the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace on your feet. He'll put a hat on your head. He'll give you, put a song in your mouth. Now, my friend, you've got to come to yourself. How I wish that some of you would come to yourself. But the Father, while He was a great way off, you're here today and lost. You're on the journey to hell. The life that you're living, it will end in hell. And you might say, preacher, that's harsh. I meant for it to be. I didn't mean for it to be pleasant to your ears, but that's where the road ends for you. The road that you're on, it ends in hell every time. Our nation, the road that we're on, the road to socialism and communism, it will lead to hard times. Those hard times will produce good men. I just hope we're not too late. I'm telling you we're in danger. We're in danger as a country. We might think just because America's always been the predominant world power in our lifetime that it's always been that way or that it'll always be that way. Not so. Not so. A matter of fact, uh, what goes up will eventually come down. And we'll come down not by any foreign power. Uh, we'll come down and it'll be the death knell of America is when the church lives in the far country for too long and refuses to cry out for their lost boys and girls. 
That'll be the death knell in our country. We're seeing the fruits of that, aren't we? We're seeing the results of that. Men making babies and not raising babies. We're seeing it everywhere. You don't think that has a profound impact? You don't think mama that has to do the job of a mama and daddy, you don't think that has an impact? You don't think their children are growing up without a man role model? No wonder they're so effeminate and no wonder they're so like they are and they don't have any strong male presence. You might say, preacher, that's chauvinistic. That's what this one... I'm telling you, God set up the family the way He intended for it to be set up. And any deviation from that is an abomination in the sight of God. But here we are in a far country. Oh, I want to hear mamas crying. I want to I want to hear the mother church. I want to see the mother church on her knees. Our sheep are out of the pasture. Our sheep are on the other side of the gate. Our sheep are out there where the wolves are at. Oh, they need to be on the inside. Where that shepherd's at, and no wolf can get to them. But they're on the outside right now. And the wolf's out there. And my friend, and he's talking to them. He's on their heels. If you're here and you're lost, that wolf, he will destroy you. Every good thing about you, he'll take away everything I've seen people leave that were grown and raised right. And right now they're out in this world of sin. Oh, I want them to come home. I want them to come home. We've got people in their family that's like that. Oh, I want them to come home. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of worrying about them out there? Then let's do something about it. I can't save them and you can't save them. But I certainly believe if we'll lift up our voice in one mind and in one accord that between now and revival time and really catch the ear of God by faith, I mean, really, I do like Jacob did when he was going to meet Esau and an angel appeared unto him in the plains and he wrestled with that angel all night. He wrestled with him till the break of day and Jacob was hurting. That angel touched his side. I mean, there are times that serving God is going to hurt you, but you hang on. You hang on and you wrestle with God and you wrestle you wrestle with God for men, and you wrestle with men for God. And begin to cry out unto Him that's able to save these, and we'll have a revival. That's our message. Are you off in a far country today? Would you just come home? Listen, God won't, God won't hold that over your head. He won't. The devil will. If you're just walking afar off, and you say, Preacher, I just know I'm not as close to Him as I once was, as I like to be. And my friend, there ain't but one thing stopping you from being that close to Him. You're one prayer away. You're one coming to yourself away. Do you realize, do you realize we are but one prayer away from having the office revival that we've ever seen at Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church? That's all we are. We're one intercession away. I mean, the King has still got one more move and one more revival. Let's make the most of it. It might very well be our last one. 
We better make the most of this right now. Come ahead with a song. That's my message. God bless you. Let's do that right now. Let's do that right now without delay. Let's come ahead and, and have a prayer. Get earnest about it.